It's the little things that make the big difference. The little things that can make the biggest difference. Amanda remembers how one of her teachers made a tremendous difference in her life. She writes, I come from a very low-income background. I was advanced, so I was sent to a gifted program across town in middle school. But all the other kids there were from middle and upper class families, and I did not fit in. I was bullied incessantly from everything, from my awkwardness to my clothes to my cheap glasses. One day I was in gym class, and I broke my glasses, and I went into hysterics, she says. Not only would I be punished when I got home, but I knew my family couldn't afford another pair. My guidance counselor took me out of school one day without telling my parents, and we went to an optician, and she got me a new pair of glasses that looked almost like my old ones, and she paid for it out of her own pocket. I will never forget that. She saved me in so many ways. I wish I could find her and thank her. Carrie says, in eighth grade, our English teacher had to recommend you for honors in high school. You had to have an A for the entire year, and people who are interested in the honors class would do extra papers and reading assignments to boost their grades. Carrie says, I had a consistent 89 average for all four marking periods, but my teacher still recommended me for honors English because he saw me complete every extra assignment possible since I was determined to get into honors, the honors course. I was accepted into honors and kept an A average for all four years of high school. Thank you, Mr. Foreman, for teaching me that effort, the effort is sometimes more important than the end result. I imagine you can think of some of the ways that teachers have made a significant difference in your life, even if it was something as simple as buying a new pair of glasses. It's the little things that make the biggest difference. We must never underestimate our role in making the world a better place, and often it happens because of the little things that are multiplied exponentially. Today's Bible story is from the book of Exodus, which chronicles God's deliverance of the Hebrew people from over 400 years of Egyptian slavery. Exodus points to God's plan to redeem the world and foreshadows Jesus' death and resurrection, his death on the cross for our sins and eternity. If we go back to the first and second chapters of Exodus, we're going to see stories of courageous women whose defiance outsmarted Pharaoh and saved the Hebrew people from certain destruction. They were tools in the hands of God who exhibited courage, patience, compassion, and justice. Summarizing chapter 1, the narrator reports that there's a new Pharaoh in town. And this Pharaoh did not remember 
the story of Joseph, who was so far removed that he didn't remember all that Joseph had done. And we studied about Joseph last Sunday. You remember that Joseph was sold into slavery by his brothers, and he ends up rising all the way to be prime minister of Egypt, second in charge to Pharaoh. Several hundred years had passed, and this Pharaoh didn't do his history lesson. In the midst of all of this, the Hebrew people multiplied exponentially. The the Hebrew word that is translated multiplied is also used to describe locusts whenever there's a, a plague and how many they are. And so this Pharaoh, this new one, was, well, he got his ego in the way and was afraid that he would lose power and control because the Hebrew people continued to grow and multiply. They turned to extreme measures, including enslavement, making brick without straw, but none of it worked. Oppression didn't work. Economic uh, oppression didn't work. Enslavement didn't work. And so the Pharaoh went to the Hebrew midwives and instructed them that they were to only allow the girl babies to survive. But they did not follow the Pharaoh's orders. They were defiant and feared God, says the scripture. And so it is these women who had little to say in society. They were at the bottom of the social order. It is these women who, well, they flipped the org chart. And they were the ones who outsmarted the king of Egypt. They did everything they could to make sure that the Hebrew babies survived. And they did so because they feared God. Our key verse is in chapter 117. The midwives, however, feared God and did not do what the king of Egypt told them to do. Out of reverence for the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, they refused to follow the king's orders. And the Hebrew people continued to increase in number. So the Pharaoh finally took an even more extreme measure. He deputized, if you would permit me to use that word, the Egyptian people like the slave patrols during the Jim Jim Crow South. And this was to ensure that no Hebrew baby boy would survive. So not only the Pharaoh's officials, but all of the Egyptian people were on the lookout. They were deputized. The story now centers on how these ordinary yet courageous women defied Pharaoh once again. And their defiance would save one particular baby boy whose name we know as Moses. And we know that God would redeem and save the people of Israel through Moses' leadership. And we'll read in chapter 2 today and make a few comments along the way. Exodus chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. Now a man of the tribe of Levi married a Levite woman. She became pregnant and gave birth to a son. When she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him for three months. But when she could hide him no longer, she got a papyrus basket for him and coated it with tar and pitch. Then she placed the child 
in the basket and put it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile. His sister stood at a distance to see what would happen to him. A couple of things. It's mighty hard to hide a baby. They cry, they need to be fed, and they grow. So after a few months, the baby's mother knew she could hide him no longer. So she took the risk and put him in a basket, sealed the basket, it was sealed on top, and coated it with pitch. It's like a a tar-like substance. We understand this is the same substance that was used, that God instructed Noah to use to seal the ark when the, uh, in preparation for the flood. So the, um, the baby's mother, we understand Jochebed, put the baby in the, the basket and put it in the river. Verse 5 says, the Pharaoh's daughter one day went down to the Nile to bathe, and uh, she and her attendants were walking along the riverbank. She saw the basket along the reeds and sent her female slave to get it. She opened it and saw the baby. He was crying, and she felt sorry for him or had compassion on him. This is one of the Hebrew babies, she said. So you see the picture. The Pharaoh's daughter went to bathe. She saw the basket, instructs her servant to get the basket. The baby's sister was watching the whole thing happen. And then here we go in verse 7. Then the baby's sister asked Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and get one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you? Yes, go, she answered. So the girl went and got the baby's mother. Pharaoh's daughter said to her, the baby's very mother, Take this baby and nurse him for me, and I will pay you. She got paid to nurse her own baby. How's that for outsmarting this plan? So the the woman took the baby and nursed him. When the child grew older, she took him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. She named him Moses, saying, I drew him out of the water. All of this orchestrated by simple servants who had no significance in society to outsmart the king of Egypt. Note that the baby's mother had to give him up twice. She put him in the water in the basket, letting him go, not knowing what would happen. And then after she received him back and nursed him and raised him up some, she had to give him away again to the Pharaoh's daughter who named him Moses. And Moses would be the great leader of the people of Israel, would lead them out of bondage through the Red Sea and in preparation to receive the land of promise. This reminds us of another mother in the New Testament who had to give her son up twice, giving him up when he left Jesus as he did, as he left to minister to people. And he wouldn't even have a a home. He had to stay in places that people would call in borrowed houses. And then we know three years later, she watched him journey to the cross of Calvary where she let her son go again. 
as he died on the behalf of humanity to redeem us and to set it right. None of the women in this story received a medal for their actions, did they? They didn't make the headlines. There wasn't a banquet where they got up and received accolades and a nice meal. They just did what they felt they needed to do because they feared God. It's like Rosa Parks who refused to give up her seat on the bus. They did the right thing when confronted with injustice. We too cannot and should not expect to receive recognition for doing the right thing out of our fear of God, our reverence, our love of God. We may never even see the fruit of our labors, but we must not underestimate the importance of the little things we do in God's service. A few things to know as we never underestimate the little things. First, I want you to know that you matter to God. You matter deeply to God. You and I are created in the image of God, and you matter deeply to God. And he has a plan for you. I also want you to remember or to know that you are enough. You and I don't need to pretend to be anybody else. We need to be the people God has created us to be. We are enough. We are tools in the hands of a loving God. In the New Testament, Paul writes that we are part of the body. Individually, we are part of the body of Christ, and we all serve for the good of the whole. And I also want us to know today that it's the little things that make the biggest difference. It's like a savings account over a period of time that where interest compounds and grows exponentially. The little things that we do out of fear for God, fear of God, reverence of God, love of God, make the biggest difference. And now here's some action items for us to our benefit. This is for what to do this week. Number one, write down the names of five people who have influenced you over your life. Five people, and give thanks for something specific about each one. It might be a teacher or a coach or a Sunday school teacher or a student minister. Give thanks for something specific that they have done in your life. If you know or who they are, I mean, if you know where they are and can reach them, what a blessing it would be for them to hear from us. I remember I reached out to one of my college professors and wrote him a note and thanked him for the difference he made in my life. And it was, he, he was so um, thankful for that. Second, it's a question. What can you do today that will make someone's life better tomorrow than it is today? What can you and I do today that will make someone's life better tomorrow than it is today? I pray that we will take action on these this week. It's the little things that make the biggest difference.